0: Hey friends, this is Linda, and thanks for tuning in to Calling Water. In today's episode, Together in One Place, we're looking at the story of the Holy Spirit manifesting on the disciples in Acts chapter 2, and what unity among believers looks like. As always, we'll examine the scripture together and ask ourselves what it means and what it calls us to do. Let's begin! It seems like all of us are feeling like this pandemic is pretty much over. Maybe it's more wishful thinking than reality, but as more and more people are getting inoculated against this dreadful virus, whether it's through vaccines or exposure, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Herd immunity seems like it's right around the corner and we can engage in normal activities again. Soon, social distancing will be a thing of the past, masks will be thrown out without second thought, and life as we knew it could resume again. Or that is the hope, right? And as awful as this entire ordeal has been for everyone So many people have tried to count the few blessings they could think of during this time, and the one I heard the most was that people were given an opportunity to spend more time with their families, time they either took for granted before, or time they never really had because of their busy schedules. Because the people living with you at home were pretty much the only ones you were allowed to safely spend time with. It gave many people a chance to connect in ways that they hadn't before. Of course, the same is not true for everyone. Others were so tired and so miserable for being stuck with the same people that they were so antsy to get out of the house whenever possible. And not being able to see friends drove some people nuts but some were kind of glad that they didn't have to engage in social obligations for a while. My kids didn't even know that they were missing out on anything, really. While my husband and I suddenly felt like our house was way too small, our kids were like vacation every day. I wanted us to think about this because, even though it's a little silly, today's text is about the early church, but it also shows us that People who share the same space don't necessarily experience things in the same way. And yet, the Holy Spirit provides the opportunity for anyone and everyone who is willing to experience God's love directly. And what's more, those who have this shared experience are now united by it. Let's talk about what that means. So the title of today's message comes directly from the first verse in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And by they, we're referring to about 120 followers of Jesus, men and women alike. And while they were together in one place, the text tells us in verses 2 through 4 that the following happened. So this is usually the part that gets emphasized when we think Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Spirit came upon the believers in these supernatural ways, and they were all empowered to go forth and share the gospel. Cool. But we would be seriously remiss if we stopped here. The passage tells us that this was more than a minor happening. Upon hearing the commotion, a crowd forms to witness what's going on. And at this gathering, each person heard their own language being spoken. Now, this crowd was comprised of devout Jews of various nationalities that had made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And Pentecost was originally a Jewish holiday to commemorate when the Israelites received the Torah or the five books of Moses. So these were Jewish diaspora whose native language was not Hebrew or Aramaic or Greek, but rather the language of the country that they lived in. But notice that the Holy Spirit doesn't enable the listeners to be able to understand one language together. Rather, the speakers are given the ability to speak in each of the native languages of the people who are present. Now, you would think everyone would just be mind-blown by this, but the text tells us there were two different reactions. In verses 12 through 13, we read, "'Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, "'What does this mean?' Some, however, made fun of them and said, "'They have had too much wine.'" Some people actually dismiss this as drunkenness, to which the Apostle Peter says, no, what's happening here is what the prophet Joel wrote about all those years ago. And what's more, it's for everyone to experience, regardless of gender, because Joel wrote that your sons and daughters will prophesy regardless of age, because the prophet wrote that young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams, and regardless of social status, because the prophet wrote that even servants would prophesy. Now, this was unprecedented. What do you mean the Holy Spirit is for everyone? I mean, this message will take a little bit to sink in even for Peter because this was before the vision with the sheet of animals and his run-in with Cornelius. But one thing is unmistakably clear. The gospel was not intended for a subsect of the population. It was meant for all in all its diversity and differences. As Peter rounds out his speech in verse 21, he says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, this should make us reflect on what it means to be the church. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how willing are we to accept everyone into our comfortable, homogenous circles? And what are we looking for when we say we want unity in the church? Does this mean that we want every other Christian to act and think exactly the way we do? Because we always pray for unity, but what we actually want is conformity. And anyone who falls out of line with that vision is ultimately unwelcome. The church should always be a place of acceptance, but it's instead often a place of rejection. When someone deviates from the norm of what a typical churchgoer should look like, that person is gossiped about, ridiculed, and seen as some kind of threat. Instead of celebrating our differences and embracing those who are not like us, we tend to be judgmental and sanctimonious. We are obviously better than those people. Our faith is the real deal. Our church is the real deal and those other people, they're probably not even born again. Now, for those of you who have endured any kind of prejudice before, doesn't all of that sound too familiar? How have you felt as someone on the fringe when someone judged you without knowing anything about you, or by just looking at you without knowing anything, they just assumed you were a certain way? And You never felt like you could be a part of the core group because of those differences. Sadly, in many respects, the church has become an epicenter of bigotry and intolerance. And this is precisely the kind of divisiveness and narrow-mindedness that the Holy Spirit enabled the followers of Jesus on that day of Pentecost to abandon. The languages that they were all suddenly able to speak That wasn't for their benefit and bragging rights, it was purely to welcome and include those who were listening. And beyond that, even though there were multiple languages being spoken that day, there was one universal language that was in effect, and that was love. Okay, I know that sounds super cliche, but that doesn't make it any less true. It was ultimately love that compelled God to send his son. It was love that kept Jesus on the mission to die on a cross. It was love that the Holy Spirit was distributing by giving everyone the power to look beyond each other's differences and accept each other as brothers and sisters rather than strangers. Beyond that, While the Holy Spirit was imparted while everyone was together in one place, it was not the intention of the Holy Spirit to keep them there. Jesus had even said before his ascension that the Holy Spirit would give the disciples power to not shelter in place, but to go to the ends of the earth. Now, even if we're not gathered together in one place, we are still the church and we are still united by the mandate to go. Our movements have been limited this past year, but now that things are starting to ease up, where will you go first and what will you do when you get there? And I'm not suggesting everyone should go sign up on an overseas mission trip or anything like that, but wherever it is you go next, I hope that you're able to speak this metaphorical language of love fluently because that is the loudest way you can advance the gospel. We find unity as God's people when we're able to set aside our differences or better yet, utilize our differences to work together out of love for God and love for God's people. And sure, you won't win everyone over, Some people will look at your kindness and think you've had too much to drink, but others will be intrigued by the kind of God you serve that enables you to embrace someone so unlike you. And that is the kind of unity the Holy Spirit brings, and that is the kind of unity we should always be after. Let's pray. God, we are still scattered everywhere, if not physically, then emotionally and spiritually, and we're finding it difficult to come together as one body of Christ. We have grown comfortable in isolation, and we have forgotten what it means to have unity as the Church. So today, as we pray for unity, we don't pray that we may all think and act the same, that we'll be 100% agreed on all the issues and be cookie-cutter versions of each other. Rather, we pray that our diversity will not cause division, but be the starting point for doing the work the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. May the language of love you have taught us become our native tongue so that we may do more to share the good news through authentic living than we do with words alone. In Jesus' name, Amen.